Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome back to the Mindwell Podcast. This is, of course, the podcast where we talk about everything new and innovative in the natural resources industry with a specific focus on digital transformation. And as we get started, as always, allow me a quick shout out. Thank you, as always, to MineRP, the sponsor of the Mineworld podcast. MineRP is a mining software company specializing in enterprise interoperability. And that basically means that they make everyone on the mine work together better. MineRP is part of the Epiroc Digital Solutions portfolio, where we help mines accelerate their journey towards digitally enabled excellence in mine planning, scheduling, and operational execution. So for more information about either Epiroc or MineRP, you can just visit www.epiroc.com or .minerp.com. Any one of those two will get you there. So on then to today's uh, discussion. And today we've got another discussion that touches on understanding more of what's going on in operations and reconciling between what we have planned to do and what we uh, are actually doing. Uh, with a bit of uh, collision avoidance and so on in the mix as well. We've had a few episodes about that and we've got one or two more coming. So uh, very interesting that we are talking about a few different approaches to this world. And today uh, I've got with me Adrian Gussen from a German company called Indurad. Adrian, welcome to the Mind World podcast. Good morning, MP, and uh, thank you for having me. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah. Uh, so, Adrian, just very quickly, uh, tell me about your current role. What is your role within Indurad? And then, and then take 10 seconds and just uh, introduce Indurad quickly. Okay, MP. Yes. Um, my title is uh, Director of uh, Engineering uh, globally for Indurad. Um, I'm based in Montreal, uh, Canada. And Indurad is a company that um, designs, manufactures and uh, installs radar-based uh, solutions for clients. And I think through the discussion, we'll talk about a lot more about what we actually do to help clients. That's right. You are a, uh, a mechanical engineer by background, I should say. Is that right? Um, that's correct. And please don't keep it against me, especially when talking about the digital uh, journey of, of companies. <laughs> well, no one working for a company like Epiroc will keep uh, some, uh, something like being, in, being a mechanical engineer against you, believe me. Of course, um, Adrian, your, your background sp spans much more than, uh, than maintenance and uh, mechanical issues. Uh, how, did it, how did it work that you became involved with a digital company and with digital kinds of solutions? So tell us a little bit more about your background. Um, okay, long background. I think my background spans about 27 years, specifically in the mining industry. Um, started uh, in 1992 mm -hmm. as a bursary student for the old ESCOR. Uh, which uh, later became uh, Kumba Resources and then was taken over by Anglo. And uh, there was a split and I stayed over on, on the Xaro side. But um, so I've been most of my career in the mining industry. And that uh, covered uh, literally from underground mining, open cast mining, um, the plants. Um, I was uh, part of the research and development department. And yeah, eventually I met uh, Indurat both when they did a project for us at um, Xara Resources on a loadout station project and um, I visited them in Germany to look at uh, some of the other solutions and that's where the discussion started uh, between me and them uh, because I became extremely excited about what they're doing around the world. So Indurad used to be a partner to, uh, to your previous employer? Uh, that's correct, MP. 
Oh, that's interesting. And uh, for those, well, I guess that's probably just about everyone uh, listening to this podcast. Adrian and I are also friends. We've been friends from, I don't know, from when we were 14, 15, 16, thereabouts, isn't it, Adrian? That's long, long, long ago. Yeah, now we're starting to give our ages away. <laughs> yeah, we were in school together and then university together and uh, actually also family friends uh, since then. So it's great to have uh, also had a parallel ca- career in, in the mining industry. Uh, that's always interesting and, and a nice way to keep in touch. Um, so <laughs> on, on that topic, I remember you always building stuff and, and you know, being the typical engineer. Um, but why digital solutions? When did you get involved? I mean, my background is, is in computer uh, software development. So, of course, I've got a bit of a kind of a natural inclination towards digital stuff. Why did you get involved in digital specifically? Um, MPZ, there's definitely a, a personal interest combined with uh, some of my previous responsibility within uh, Exaro. I think, in general, I'm maybe a little bit more of a... Um, big picture thinker. Um, I like to see how things fit. I, Although I obviously take responsibility for my position and my role, I normally enjoy actually seeing and understanding how everything, you know, like typically in a watch fits together and how it works to, to get an end result. And within Exara, I was also over many, many years responsible and formed part of projects that um, we've implemented the ERP systems, um, so I was part of uh, three of the SAP deployments and redeployments within the company. And I was also the um, the client uh, leader for some of the streams, which covered not just the engineering, but also procurement uh, or interfacing with procurement, with HR, with finances and various other departments. And that's where I really started, you know, things like the digital twin that a lot of companies and people are talking about these days things started falling into place and starting becoming much more of an interest. Um, and it's something that I could enjoy um, as a responsibility within the company as well, you know, to, mm. to merge mm. sort of this own interest together with uh, what the company's expectations were. Uh, towards wow. me. Yeah. And, uh, and then you, you eventually, as you said, after Exaro became involved with, with uh, Indurad, and now you're not a South African anymore and you live in Canada. Yeah, correct. It was an interesting journey. What happened was um, 2019, just before COVID started impacting our lives, um, I was doing a lot of um, consecutive uh, world trips or uh, trips specifically to to Asia and to Europe to inspect um, equipment, uh, to look at technologies, to negotiate uh, contracts and uh, engaging discussions specifically from technical point of view with various um, OEMs. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened was we then also visited uh, Indurat as part of um, a specific visit um, to Germany and the Netherlands. And uh, I had a very limited view of what Indurat um, was doing, specifically purely based on my exposure with, with Inexaro. And right. um, um, after, after spending some time with them and actually driving around with the CEO Reich Winkel and uh, seeing the massive impact that they're making to clients, positive impact, I invited them for to attend a conference that I, an engineering conference that I organized in South Africa. And after the conference, we had some discussions. And a couple of months later, uh, we started with our discussions. 
And um, I said to Reich, I would really like to join their company because of all the phenomenal work that they're doing um, to make people's lives so much better at mines, to make it safer, to make it more productive. Um, and um, yeah, so I joined Indret. I had the privilege of spending a, a year or just over a year in uh, Germany um, at the head office in Aachen. Um, while all of our documentation and paperwork were put in place for us as a family to move to Canada. And um, I think it's about, um, in, by the end of this week, we would be one year in uh, Canada. And we, um, as we previously said, we stay in Montreal, Quebec province, and we absolutely love it there. Wow, that sounds, that sounds great. So you've had the, the benefit of, of looking at the kinds of uh, technical mining problems from both the perspective of, of a client, a big international mining company, as well as, uh, of course, now one of the uh, vendor companies that provide solutions into that domain. From your perspective then, and, and, and of, of course within this uh, ambit that we're discussing, what are some of the major business problems um, that you see that, that you guys are solving for, uh, for the industry or, or even beyond you guys that you see that the industry are grappling with? Um, I think that's an extremely relevant question because during all my discussions and visits to different mining companies, um, all of your um, executives are typically talking and putting strategies in place for um, a digital journey, you know, implementing um, or following what they call a mining 4.0, industry 4.0. And there's a lot of lingo that's been thrown around in the passages and in discussions and presentations. But the actual implementation of that is not always that clear. And every every company that we speak to have got, you know, sort of their own view of of what what the mine of the future looks like. Apart from the fact that everybody's got their sort of own view and trying to put all of these new ideas and concepts uh, together, one of the big challenges that we see that companies have is having your infrastructure and all of your equipment in a sort of digital environment is fairly easy. There are some challenges, um, but I, I think there's a lot of extremely good progress being made and people are really starting to get, get a hold on to um, representing you know, all of infrastructure and equipment. But the challenge become, becomes especially when we start talking about inventory. You took product inventory, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, MPS. Product inventory, you know, because that's the, that's the life. That's why you mine, is to get the product out, okay? How do you digitalize that? How do you get a, a real-time impression of, of you know, what, I, what do I have, what's coming, what's being produced and uh, being sold to the clients? So, okay, that's a, that's a big one. So, firstly, getting a... Kind of control of your information, and secondly, with a specific uh, view on understanding what you have and where it is uh, in the inventory management process. I, you know, I find that lots of mines start using the term "mine to demand" um, or "mine to market," uh, in which they want to understand: well, if the market wants X, where should I be mining? What should I be mining? How much do I have in process? What's on my stockpiles? Where am I reclaiming from? Et cetera, et cetera. So that's some of the work that you do, right? Um, that's correct. I think we, we can help clients definitely to, to be a lot more flexible to to address the needs and the demands um, of the clients and especially the change changes that we see globally uh, in terms of expectations on, uh, on, on your commodities. Also, what we see is there's a lot of mining companies that Every single year when they, do, when they bring out their financial results, either they have to compensate positively or negatively on the uh, balance sheet. 
because of incorrect inventory reporting. And that's got a massive impact financially on companies. I don't know if you know, but I'm a co-patentee of a, of a patent uh, here at Minapi called Geo Inventory, in which we have uh, also patented a, a system and approach that actually speaks to this very problem domain. And there are lots of, of different ways of, of reconciling and so on. Of course, many international standards speak to this as well. But the accuracy of measuring actual inventory and the latency of getting that information to, uh, to a place that you can actually uh, reconcile and add up, etc. This is not something that everyone uh, understands very well. So um, I guess the, one of the challenges is to get that real time or whatever the appropriate timing interval is of accurate information from the production uh, equipment and processes. And for this Many people, you know, throw around the term digital twin. We've got to have a digital twin of machines and digital twin of overflow and digital twin of this and that. How would you define a, a digital twin? Um, MP, I, I would most probably, you know, without going to like a, a Wikipedia or something, it just practically what it, what it means for me and, and what I see with the benefit for, for clients. It's to have a, a digital representation mm -hmm. of your operations. And that means your entire operations so that you can use new technologies like, for instance, artificial intelligence, like machine learning, optimizing without making any changes within your, your actual operations, simulating what you have, looking and seeing if I should make changes, if a different quality of blocks should be coming in, if there's uh, changes from a client um, quality uh, requirements or so, how can I best optimize my mining, my beneficiation, my stacking and delivering to the client? So a digital twin really gives you that advantage that without making any changes, physical changes, you can run right. a lot of simulations, yeah. different scenarios, play different scenarios off against each other and see how you then can optimally mine or produce you know, sort of what would be the best result for, for, the, for the mine delivering to, to what the clients are looking for. Okay, so uh, then let's talk about how we get all of that information together, you know, that then becomes the digital twin that, re that uh, represents the physical reality. Indurad has a very specific approach, and I guess the name gives it away, doesn't it? What is, what is unique to Indurad in, in its approach to... Uh, understanding yep, you're correct in terms of indirect gives it away uh, indirect stands for industrial radar okay so um, as i mentioned previously we de we design um, and manufacture our own radar um, based um, sensor and equipment technology and solutions and um, we use radar specifically in in industries that have that are known to have harsh conditions of which mining is typically the one that 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 would be first coming to mind, you know. But we're also quite big in, in terms of supporting ports and terminals, um, smelters, um, you know, refineries, and and various other industries that also get, struggle with with harsh conditions. And if and if you, sorry, if you say harsh conditions, you mean what? To harsh conditions uh, for us means uh, typically dust, snow, rain, fog, mist. Um, and and these are these are typically things that you that you experience in mining industries, especially if you talk, start talking about mist spray um, for for dust suppression and 
as I said now, dust as well. Um, that that creates a lot of challenges for various technologies or types of equipment out in the in the industry. Right. So you know, many people will will be uh, well aware of um, technologies such as everything from you know Boston Dynamics Spot, you know that yellow dog that does lidar surveying to you know the progress in drone-based surveying and so on. And most of those technologies are, are LIDAR-based uh, or um, light uh, detection and ra- ranging, for a lack of a better wor- word. And then, of course, radar is radio uh, detection and ra- ranging. So why go down the route of radar instead of LIDAR if, if there seems to be such a lot of development in the LIDAR world and even the VIDAR world you know, of video detection and ranging? You know, if you think of what the Tesla does while it's driving. No, that's correct. Um, and even the example that you use with, with Tesla, even if you've got optic, you always have the challenge that, um, let's say there's um, fog, um, you can't physically see through it. And that's why even even with the, um, automotion, uh, uh, the automotive industry, they always use radar in parallel with, with other types of technology. And the reason why... The reason why they use radar is uh, just to just to get a little bit more into the the technical side. If you take, for instance, laser, laser have got a wavelength of typically uh, in the region of, uh, of of one micron, where radar have got a wavelength of four millimeters. So that means that wow. all almost all particles in harsh conditions, typically with dust, okay, mm-hmm. um, which we experience in, in in mines and so forth, are larger. Than the laser and then the laser wavelength, which means that the radar can actually see through it because the wavelengths bend around or go around your your dust particles. Right, and therefore you can see through it, and and that's that's why um, I think there's depending on 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 what type of application, what conditions, there's yeah. always a need for 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 lidar. We use lidar as well to do typically surveys of um, machines after we've done our installation of our radar equipment, you know, to, to see exactly where they've been installed to make a, a 3D model, a digital twin of that equipment so that we can start doing um, the automation, the simulating, you know, how the equipment should be controlled. Um, so there we use um, LiDAR ourselves as well, you know, in, uh, well, we don't have our own LiDAR, but we, we get uh, companies to, to do the, the survey. But the moment the, the, the production starts, and you start experiencing all of that dust, that's when you start really need, really need the radar to be able to see through all of that dust. Okay, so clearly again, and I think you mentioned it earlier, it depends on the application. You know, uh, the right technology depends on what you want to do with it. Um, so what are some of the specific problems that, uh, that you apply your radar-based solutions to? Sure. I think before I can answer you, MP, um, just to get a little bit better understanding again of radar, and and, mm. and 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 I need to explain that specifically when I give then examples where we use radar, it's not just limited to the type of solutions that we have, because you can use radar in a lot of applications, and we actually have various projects globally with various mining companies where they use our radar sensors together with um, our, our software engineering teams um, and their automation teams to actually develop solutions or customize solutions specifically sometimes for the application. 
So get so so get to get back to the point um, to understand radar. Radar different to as an example laser where laser is a single beam. Radar have got almost like a, a conical if you if a conical uh, sending out of your your radar waves. Yeah. And you can with with a single radar beam. Okay, so you, you need to look uh, think about it as I said, you know, in in, in a conical way, and the size like a flashlight. Like a flashlight. And the diameter yeah. of that depends on the antenna, your radar antenna. But that single beam, you can use to measure angle, distance, direction, presence, movement, and velocity. Okay. Hmm. So anywhere where there's an application, whether it's a 1D, 2D, or 3D types of, a type of measurement, combining that with, I'm trying to measure not just distance, but an angle to a specific um, piece of equipment or to a person, uh, to whatever it might be, you can do with a single source of, of radar. So then to answer your question, if you understand that, is typical things that we do for clients is we've got some solutions um, called, and, and, and pardon the, 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 the I in front of it, we, we, we just brand it as I belt because it's indirect, belt technology where we measure the volumetric uh, flow of material on conveyor belts uh, we do we measure misalignment of your conveyor belts we um, and that's a combination of a of a 2d sensor with a doppler velocity radar which is also designed and manufactured by ourselves and then we've got right. solutions where we do um, and, I, and then i'm going to get back to the volumetric measurement of of for instance stockpiles where we do 3D scanning of stockpiles, silos, mm. domes, um, above apron feeders uh, to protect your apron feeders and to know what volume you you um, you put through your apron feeders. Um, and this is, of course, typically a very high dust. That's uh, an extremely uh, high dust environment, yes. Um, clients typically install our radar sensors under grizzlies where you typically have tipping bins. And you can just imagine, uh, well, Coming yourself, also having uh, been a lot at mines, knowing the mining industry, uh, the amount of dust that you typically generate within your tipping bins um, <laughs> above your apron feeders through shoots are, are significant. And there is no other technology that really works effective in, in that type of environment. So essentially, as you said, everything from understanding where things are uh, and, uh, and where the things are there <laughs> to the change in position and the change in size uh, and the change in speed and so on. This is these are things that you can do with with radar, in in as you said earlier, unfriendly conditions. Maybe just another maybe just another example. Uh, MP would be uh, you talked about size. Uh, we, what we also do is we we've got a solution that where we help clients to detect or to be more proactive in detecting uh, blockages within your crashers. So if you typically have uh, primary crushers, uh, gyrated crushers or so, um, our radars can actually see large pieces of, of rock that could cause a, a blockage. Okay, so fragmentation you can also uh, help detect. Well, I wouldn't say fragmentation because that's, that's getting, getting uh, very uh, granular. But if it's large material that would typically block a crusher, uh, that's a lot larger than your typical other granular distribution and, um, of the material that's going through your crusher. Wow. So stockyard management, stockpile management, reclaiming, mixing, blending, you know, getting the grade uh, right for the, uh, for the processing uh, environment. This must be something that you specialize in. Yeah, that's hundred percent correct. Yes, we've got we've got projects globally with almost all mining companies, um, all the tier, 
uh, tier one mining companies around the globe where we actually help them on each one of those points that you typically mentioned now. Now, this sounds great. And, and uh, I mean, having seen some of the work that you do, I know that it is as well. But, you know, you all, I, I always wonder when I look at these wonderful technologies, why isn't everyone just using it then? So, so what are some of the barriers that you think that, that mines run into trying to implement these kinds of technologies, not, not only specifically in your ad, but, but the kinds of technologies that you're describing? Um, I think if you if you talk about barriers, I think to a large extent there's sometimes uh, just purely a, a lack of, of knowledge and understanding what sometimes what technology to use for which application. There's so many products uh, around the globe available. There's so many salesmen walking around trying to sell their, their product. Okay, um, so that that's typically some of the some of the I can almost say barriers that we see at clients where they if they have not yet developed a standard to guide and to assist the the uh, project staff or the maintenance staff so to, to to make a good selection of uh, and combination of different technologies you know that's definitely a, a a barrier almost to 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 making sure that they actually get the right results um sometimes you know with with digital types of projects um we find that uh, lack of knowledge lack of training change management Time to value, etc., is a problem for uh, for mines. How long does it take? You know, from uh, I've got a stockpile that needs to be uh, measured, monitored, and modelled. Uh, if, if if I were to call the Indurad number, you know, how long does it typically take for for Indurad to be able to deliver value to to a client? It really depends on the scope of the project and the and the size of the size of the project. Um, because we don't do just inventory management, in a lot of cases we use our 3D or our sensors to automate equipment. Uh, typically, like if you're talking about stockpiles and, and inventory, um, we use we use our radar equipment to do collision avoidance and then automation of your stackers, reclaimers, um, your rail out facilities, and, and all of that. But so that's why I'm, that's why I'm saying it depends on on the on on the scope of the project. But if we if I can maybe give you right. um, an example. Um, we've we've got a a client um, where we installed a, a stockyard uh, solution together with inventory management, and the entire um, stockyard solution took only five months. From from that engineering, from that we received the PO until we um, handed over the project was uh, a total of five five months. Wow! And if you if you say handed over the project. Uh, is it typically something that the, that you would have to maintain, you know, at infinitum for the client, or or is this something that you install, implement, help the client to adopt, and then the client can uh, manage and maintain and and use thereafter themselves? That's maybe an extremely good question because that talks again to the the benefit of having a, an indirect solution. The first thing is we supply the technology, the knowledge, the know-how. Um, we supply the information coming from the sen- sensors in a in a filtered or rendered format uh, via Telegram. Um, but what we don't do is we don't do the the actual automation of the equipment. We help with the process. Um, we 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 can handle um, turnkey projects, and we've done that a couple of times around the world. But we typically work with your um, either the system, the local system integrator, uh, which is of the preference or recommendation from the mine, or in some cases we also have mining clients where they have sufficient knowledge and expertise to do all of that automation work themselves, and then we would be helping them with that process. 
but um, once it's implemented, the some of the advantages of the indirect solution is number one, we don't have any license fees. So no license fees for the client, no maintenance, okay? Once, you, once a sensor is installed, there's no calibration, recalibration required for a sensor, okay? There's no cleaning required for the sensors because we can have typically um, 10 millimeters um, up to, let's say, one inch of material being built up onto our sensor. So there's, there's actually, after it's been installed and it's commissioned and it, and it works, okay, there's no need for us from an indirect um, to keep that system running. But what we do do is we do recommend to clients to typically have a, a service agreement where we would typically uh, log in on a predetermined uh, period um, to do a status check on the equipment. We also train the, the, the client themselves to do um, any first line uh, fault finding, troubleshooting, and if there's any issues that they can then contact us. Uh, for, for support and assistance. Um, but normally, once it's given over to the client, they normally, they, they can carry on by themselves uh, on our solution. They, they don't need a continuous um, involvement or intervention from our side. All right. Okay. Well, are we running out of time? Uh, you know, this conversation can carry on for, for much more time, but, but uh, let's, let's try and land this plane, speaking of radar. Uh, so, one thing that's always very interesting is, you know, when people want to know uh, what's coming up down the down the pipe. You've talked about the future of mining. What's in the future of of Indurad? Maybe as a or by, by by way of closing this discussion. I'm quite excited about our new range of radar uh, sensors that will be coming out uh, soon. We've also recently, or this year, we've uh, we've been awarded the BHP Janssen Potash Mine. Um, contract for all of the proximity detection of underground mining equipment. And for that project, we will be launching our new IRTT, which stands for Indirect Radio Transmitter Tags, um, for that entire mine. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of other things that we are also quite excited about is uh, to support our clients a lot better, uh, to address their, their questions, their needs. Uh, we've been uh, putting global uh, partnerships in place so we've just finished with with setting up all of our partnerships in canada um so we've come we've got companies partner companies uh, covering all the way from the east to the west coast uh, we're now replicating that to america and then also around the globe we've also got already a lot of um, partnerships to to really support um, and go out to be there with the clients and to to help them see how we can actually help them to improve their um, operations you want to name drop some of those partners of yours Yes, um, more than welcome. Um, typically, what uh, some of the partnerships that we do, some of them we already have in place for many years, but that we've um, re-energized um, and uh, put in a lot of focus. Again, is like uh, Encompass, um, which is in, based in Vancouver, but they cover a lot of areas, not just uh, British Columbia and, and BC. We've got the uh, Intrepid Group, which is based in Calgary, but they've also got offices in some of the other provinces uh, like uh, Saskatchewan. And then we've got uh, Team Power Solutions, which is uh, one of the youngest or the newest of our partners, um, also based in Saskatchewan. But they also cover um, three or four of the Canadian provinces. We've got Synergy Controls, and we've also got uh, Group LD. Uh, Group LD is uh, specifically also focused more on the eastern side of Canada, Ontario, Quebec, and, and all of those areas. 
Adran, it's been really interesting and, and, and all the best with this future push. Clearly, the company is doing well and it's, it's, it's great seeing the explosion of technologies used for not only more productive work, but also you know, safer work uh, in the industry out there. So as we, as we finish our podcast, I always ask uh, our guests, uh, what's on your bedside table? What are you reading? Okay, maybe just uh, a few few of the books that I've just recently finished that I would like to mention. Um, MP, as you know, I'm a I'm an engineer coming from mines. Okay, I'm not a salesperson. So one of the things that uh, that I I really enjoyed reading was uh, Pitch Anything uh, from Oren Clough. That's a recent book that I just uh, finished, which uh, for me uh, was a really 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 good book. Then uh, on a personal side, I actually also finished the book uh, Skipping Adolescence uh, from Brian Michael Stegner, which is which I can advise to any any parent that have got young kids and kids uh, entering um, um, you know the adult phase. I was just going to say it's a bit late for you to start thinking about skipping adolescence now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got still two teen, teenagers at home, and we're quite involved with uh, the, with young people in the community. So I can rec- definitely recommend uh, recommend this book to people. And then some of the other other um, books that I'm currently reading is uh, the Ten Laws of Trust, uh, the Coaching Habit, because I'm personally extremely passionate about uh, coaching and mentoring. It's been part of my responsibilities in Exaro and and just working with with young people around the, around the world. Um, you know, I, I, I quite enjoy those conversations. They keep us also young and up to date with what's going on. Um, then I'm also busy with um, some personal books like uh, uh, God's Big Picture. Um, and obviously I've got my Bible next to my table. And I'm not sure if podcast counts as books, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Only, only if you only if you can say that you listen, you know, religiously to the Mind War podcast. You know, <laughs> we we have to add that one obviously to the list. We can't can't skip that one. But um, I do listen to a lot of podcasts because of all my travels. I spend a lot of time in in buses on the road within the, the air, and then um, I, I enjoy listening to Freak Economics, uh, Common Sense from Dan Carlin, Hardcore History from Dan Carlin, and then just a lot of world news uh, just to stay up to date about what's going on and what's the latest sort of um, things happening around the globe. Sounds great, Adrian. Thanks a lot for, for spending time with us. Uh, it's, you know, it's always nice to, to have someone who has seen both sides of the, of the coin, both in production and now in, in providing technology and solutions to mines. And all the best with Indirad and all of your partners and all the new and exciting endeavors for the next year. Thank you, MP. It was uh, really enjoyed having the conversation.